Uh, it's exciting to have one of our homegrown boys this morning to share the word with us. Aaron is a graduate of Montana School. Oh, wait, I missed it up. Montana Wilderness School of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, he graduated from there and then went back a second year for their leadership program. And uh, so it's great to have Andrew to speak this morning. Before he does, let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. And Father, we're excited to hear what you have laid upon Andrew's heart to share with us this morning. So God, we ask that you would use Andrew to speak to our hearts. God, fill him with your spirit, guide his thoughts, his lips as he shares with us from your word. God, thank you for what you're going to do as you help us to become more like Jesus in all we say, think, and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Steve. Well, good morning. Um, Today, we will be in Jeremiah 9 and in verses 23 and 24. So as you turn there in your Bibles, um, I'll just give a little bit of background context um, before, we, before we jump in. Uh, so Jeremiah was a prophet. He was writing and speaking during his life to the tribe of Judah. It was a southern tribe, and this was before they were led into exile. He was pleading with them to turn back to God. They had turned from God, um, the God of their ancestors, the God who had led their ancestors out of Egypt, and they turned to the idols of the tribes that surrounded them. They began to intermarry with those tribes, and they had an entire lack of the knowledge of God. Um, So I'll read the passage, and then I'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boast, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word that you've given to us, your word that has been preserved for thousands of years and how it remains true to this day. Um, God, help us as we look at your word this morning, um, help it to dive deep into our hearts and to take effect in the rest of our lives. God, use me in my weaknesses and um, just use me for your glory this morning. In your name, amen. So as Steve said, I spent two years in Montana. And if you know anything about Montana, you know it snows, and it snows a lot. Um, So during that time, I had a lot of experience with the snow, and some enjoyable, some not. But on many weekends, we would go snowboarding, skiing at at the local ski hill. Local is in three hours away, Um, but that's local in Montana. Uh, And on one of those times, on our way back, after snowboarding in the fresh powder all day, uh, we hit a snowstorm on the way back. Uh, the 
it just started snowing and snowing and blowing and drifting. Um, but I was, I was riding with a guy who had a truck, and we made it back to school without much difficulty. And then a couple hours later, after I'd eaten dinner, and I was headed up to the chapel to go watch a movie. And as I walked into the chapel, I noticed there's some of the staff members um, were there kind of having a meeting, and they motioned me in. And they were like, uh, we have four students that are in a Ford Fusion, um, and they can't make it back to school. And I was like, okay. And they're like, they're in town. You, you want to take the, the plow truck and go pick them up? And I was like, oh, sure. That sounds like fun. So uh, I was like, can I take a buddy with me? And they're like, sure. So me and a buddy of mine hopped in the truck. It was dark at this point. It's about like zero degrees and windy and blizzard conditions. So I was like, this is going to be a fun drive. And as soon as I got started, I realized that the defrost in the truck does not work when it's that cold. And that slowed us down a lot. Um, we, what normally takes 30 minutes to go into town, um, it's like about like 25 miles on mostly dirt roads. Um, it took an hour and a half, so that you know, adds to the fun. We get into town, pick up the, the four stranded people, they hop in the back of the truck, and we may, we're, we're heading back. Uh, after, I get off the, after I get off the paved road, I put my snow chains on because the drifts were just really bad at this point. And I couldn't really see the road. The road was totally snow covered. There's drifts that were three or four feet in some places, um, and that's not exaggerating at all. Um, and the way I was driving was on, along the roads in Montana, there's fence posts. They're all, all the roads are just lined in fence posts. So I just kind of, you know, put my truck between the fence posts and just assumed that there would be a road there. Um, and it worked really good until it didn't anymore. Uh, so what happened was, I don't, I don't even know, like, weeks later I came back and I was like, I don't even know where I went in the ditch. Like, I, I had no awareness of a road I've driven a hundred times. Anyway, so my truck slid into the ditch, and it didn't just, like, slide off the ditch, off the road a little bit. It was, like, in the ditch. And as soon as I slid into the ditch, nobody said anything. Like, it was just quiet. And I was like, oh, boy. Like, we're going to be stranded out here, like, all night long. It's, like, freezing cold. And I wasn't, I wasn't too excited at that point. Um, so I tried to put the truck in reverse. I backed up a couple feet until the truck wouldn't go anymore. And then I turned my wheel back towards the road and angled my plow over a little bit and said a little prayer and just stomped on it. And sure enough, that 1999 F-250 just pulled itself right out of the ditch. And I was like, I was in shock. I did not expect that to happen at all. And in that moment, I said something that I'll never say again. And it didn't say until that day. I said, I'm going to buy me a Ford. I, I did not, I don't know how those words came out of my mouth because I'm a Chevy guy, but I was like, I, what, why would I say that? It's because that truck proved itself to me and I was able to boast in that truck during that moment, never again. But uh, when we think about boasting, we have a negative perception of it. We don't 
we don't want to do it. We're, we're trained not to do it. And we probably assume that there's Bible verses that tell us not to boast. And that assumption is correct. In Psalm 75, verse 4, um, the psalmist says, To the arrogant, boast no more. And in Proverbs 27, verse 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So, in this verse that is behind me, Jeremiah says, Don't boast in wisdom or strength or riches, but it tells us to boast. So, in Psalms and Proverbs, it says don't boast, but Jeremiah is telling us to boast. So, are there two types of boasting? What, what's the difference between these two types of boasting? The difference is, is the object in what we are boasting in. And these first three examples that Jeremiah gives us are human and man-centered things that are boasting in. And we do this all the time. What are, our, what are our conversations center around? They center around us, what we have, what we can accomplish, what we do. We boast about our houses, our kids, our crops. Because you know that when you have a field that's along a main road and it looks good, you're boasting about that, not outwardly, because we're Mennonites and we don't do that, but like inwardly, you are proud of that field. So the difference is, is the object and what we're boasting in. And Jeremiah is showing us that God is worthy to boast in. But when we see the word boast, it still carries a weird feeling, because we're not supposed to do it. But if we better understand what the word boast means, it'll help us maybe like scrape off some of the nastiness that we think of when we think of boasting. And to do that, we can look at the original Hebrew language, and the word boast is halal. And if we look at the best translation, it's not, it doesn't translate best to boast. It actually translates best into glory. And they, if you're reading out of the King James Version, that's what you'll see. Do not glory in these things, but glory in this. But what does glory mean? If we're going to use the word glory to describe boast, we must define glory. Webster says that glory is something that secures praise or renown. So, most of the time, when we use the word glory, it's within the context of church. We don't usually hear glory used in normal, real-life examples. But if we would, it would be like, wow, that is a glorious sunrise. Or, man, this burger is glorious. But if we use it in those ways, it's not getting to the true meaning of the word glory. It's being used more as a hyperbole rather than the true meaning of glory. The true definition of glory and the only thing that can truly be glorious is God and God alone. In the same way that we understand God is love, we can understand that God is glory. So with all that to say, we, and we understand what boast truly means, 
And if you think back to my example of my truck, I had to know the truck's capability and its power for me to be able to boast in it. And in the same way, we can't boast in a God that we don't know. We must know God so that we can boast in him. And that's what Jeremiah says. In verse 24, he says, Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. So Jeremiah wants the people of Judah to boast in a God that they know. But they had completely lost touch with the God who had led their ancestors out of, the, out of Egypt, who had parted the Red Sea, who had led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They had totally forgotten that. And they had to re-know who God is. And it was during my time in Montana that I got to know who God was better. I grew up in church, in this church, well, that church at Media. Um, and so I was around God. And it wasn't until I got to MDub, as we call it, that I truly got to be around people and professors to teach well and articulate who God really is. And it stirred in me a desire to get to know him more. But it got to the point where I just was seeking that next thing about God, that I was wanted to learn something new because I'm an information guy. I want information. I listen to podcasts and sermons, and I just like gaining information. But it got to the point that it was unhealthy. Because the point about knowing God more isn't knowing a fact or an attribute of his that you didn't know yesterday. The point of knowing God more is so that you may gain a better understanding of the weight of your sin in unison with growing in the knowledge of his holiness. Now, behind me, there's going to be a chart. And on that chart, on the top, it says, growing in awareness of God's holiness. And on the bottom, it says, growing in awareness of my sinfulness. Now, that chart has really helped me just visualize what it looks like to get to know God more. Through study of his word, we can grow in awareness of our sinfulness in sight and in light of his holiness. And because of that, the cross of Christ and what he has done for us just grows. And that is a chart that for the rest of our lives will keep growing and we can see the love and the grace that he has shown to us and how it becomes more powerful in us each day. And um, it is only because of the word of God that we may know this. We interpret our human experiences and how we experience God by his word. And um, just like I had to see the truck pull me out of the ditch, I had to know that the truck had the power and the ability to pull me out of the ditch, we have to know who God is and what his power truly is. And we see that in his word. And this is, was the problem with Judah. They totally lost touch with God. They didn't know him. They totally had strayed from the original command to bind the word literally to their bodies. 
it got to the point where they didn't even know who God was. Jeremiah was starting at ground zero, trying to teach and get them back to gaining a knowledge and an understanding of who the God, who God was. And even though they had set up pillars and rocks for their, when their children asked them, what is this, that they would tell them. This was because God did this, or this was because God did that. That was not working at this point. And even though he used those things, God's primary means was through his word. He wanted the word bound to them. He wanted the word on their lips and on their hearts at all times. And nothing has changed in 2,500 years. The same, the same passage that Jeremiah used for the people of Judah is just as applicable to us today. Because the same God uses the same words to deal with the same issues of humanity. And that's been true in every generation, and our generation, there's not an exception with our generation. And God gives us his word so that we may know him. But what does it mean to know God? I could say that I know all of you here, even though there's a lot of you that I've never talked to. But if I see you tomorrow at Walmart, I can say, hey, I know you. You were at Waterway yesterday. And you'd be like, yeah, I know you too. But that would be our first interaction. But I could still say I know you. But I can also say, I know Austin. He's my brother. His birthday's on June 17th. He hates spicy food, and we wear the same size shoe. That's two different types of no. So how do you know God? Do you know him in a way that you can boast in him? Do you know him enough to boast in him? That's my challenge to you, is to spend time in God's word that's been preserved for the sole purpose of knowing God. That's why God has given us his word, so that we can know him. And how great a privilege it is to know God. The God of the universe, the God who's created each one of us and all of creation, desires to be known and, ha and is able to be known. He's not a God that sits on the sidelines and just lets things play out. He's a God who wants to be known, and through his word, he can be known. So this is my point. Know the knowable God so that you may boast in the God who's worthy of boasting in. Let's pray. Dear God, I uh, thank you for your word. I thank you um, that it's been preserved for generations. I pray that you would um, use it to work in our lives, that you would use it to speak to each one of us, so that we may taste and see that you are good and that we can taste and see that your promises endure forever. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Now, behind me, there's a couple um, books that if you want to know, um, books that I read that were helpful to, for me, uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer and God Is by Mark Jones were extremely helpful and very enlightening. Thank you.